Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today, we have Jonathan, and I think this is, this is going to be a very special treat because we're going to talk about like marketing, we're going to talk about software, and kind of just give you guys a little bit ins and outs and different strategies. So without further ado, Jonathan, why don't you tell our people a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. So a uh, bit of background, uh, I worked at LinkedIn for almost 10 years. And uh, I spent uh, quite a bit of time with other big uh, corporate customers globally. And so uh, first few years was all around social media recruitment marketing. So building their recruitment strategies, if they needed to hire 20 or 30,000 people, they would come to us and we'd kind of help them figure out how to do that with the LinkedIn network. And then the final four and a half years uh, was all around uh, social uh, advocacy and employee advocacy platforms. And so we had one for LinkedIn. And so uh, really it was helping companies kind of four different ways, really, um, uh, around the topics of um, brand reputation, social selling, marketing, and talent acquisition. Hmm. And so I was uh, with LinkedIn up until the end of June of 2020. And then uh, with uh, uh, lockdown and, and all the other stuff that happened, I was actually supposed to transfer with them uh, over to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, you know, international travel was, was banned and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that opportunity came and went. And so then since then I've uh, started doing some, um, consulting work, uh, with a, a software company. Uh, I'm, I live in Toronto. So, uh, this software company is also based in Toronto. And, uh, so I'm helping them out and, uh, they're called, uh, social HP and, uh, I advise them on, you know, how to build their business and, and whatnot. So like, like let's, let's just just dive into like your history a little bit because I mean sure. you just you just I gave a lot to our audience to kind of like chew on a little bit right. So as a kid growing up, I mean, when did you know that you were going to go into technology? Was there something in particular that happened during your life that said, "Hey, I love technology and I'm going down that route"? No, I had zero plan <laughs> to do any <laughs> of this, uh, and I and uh, I think you know some hard work kind of got me to where I am, but. Um, so uh, I just have a high school background and uh, I had planned to go to university and college, but uh, I took a year off and that ended up turning into the rest of my life. And so um, I actually, uh, I, like when I took the year off, I, I got a job and just started working and that particular company just kept promoting me. I was working super hard and, and the harder I worked, the more opportunity they would give me. And it was in such a good learning experience. And so uh, after a bunch of years of doing that, um, and I was, um, you know, like managing a pretty decent sized team and, and working with a lot of great people. I realized though, that, uh, probably my opportunity long-term would be a little bit limited, uh, just only working in, in, um, in, in retail. So what I ended up doing was, uh, I found some of my friends had moved over to, uh, recruitment and headhunting and, uh, they were working way less hours and making way more money. And so I thought, oh, I should probably do that. You know, they're, they're, they're really killing it. And, uh, and so I eventually convinced them to hire me. It was 13 interviews and, uh, including the owner. Cause I was the first guy they had ever hired that didn't have a post-secondary education. Hmm. And then, uh, I did well there too. They, uh, they gave me lots of opportunity and I stayed there a, a bunch of years. 
And then um, that kind of recruitment was technology recruitment. And so that's how I sort of first started to get my feet wet. But to be honest, I'm not a technical person. I know, like I understand the technical terms. I know what they mean, but I can't code. You know, I can't build, you know, systems and, and whatnot. I know what they are and I, I know how it all kind of works together, but I'm not the guy that's doing it. So I can talk about it, but that's kind of the end of it. And then um, I left that industry and I was actually, uh, to be honest, spending my, my time doing comedy and acting on the side. Uh, with friends and just really like kind of building out that uh, that creative side and while i was doing that uh maybe a couple of years in a friend of mine said hey you know what you should you should work for linkedin and at the time linkedin was much much smaller so they had 80 million members and they had 600 employees and so i thought okay cool like i'll have a conversation with them and then very quickly i realized actually i should i should probably try and get a job at this place like it's going somewhere and it's got you know really cool stuff and uh, the people were great. And uh, so I, again, eventually convinced them to hire me. Same thing. They kind of put me through the ringer because I didn't have that uh, that educational background, but I did have some good experience. And so they gave me a shot. And uh, and 10 years later, here I am. Oh, definitely, definitely an interesting journey. So uh, you alluded to a couple of times about like the education side of things, right? And it seems yeah. like that was kind of a hurdle that you had to overcome because obviously you could do the job but the credentials of having the diploma behind you wasn't there at the time. Like, how did you, how did you juggle that? I mean, obviously you could have went back to school, but your experience should outweigh your education to a certain extent. And what's your viewpoints on that? Yeah. So, um, well, first off, I have a few, um, one is like, I never had an issue with the fact that I didn't have that education. I was willing to work hard. I was a pretty smart guy. I figured I could get the job done. And, um, so, it's just really, it's kind of like, what's the barrier at that company? What's their thinking? And I will say, you know, earlier in my career, it was a little bit more stringent, like, oh, you don't have a degree, you, you can't work here, like that kind of a thing. Um, and then, uh, which is why they would just always add extra interviews. But I knew that was the deal. Like I knew I didn't have that education and that was what, you know, they needed on the piece of paper. And so I would just eventually convince them. And to be honest, I'd just try and win them over. You know, I was uh, kind of, tried to be engaging and and I was enthusiastic and I wanted to be there and and fortunately some people gave me the shot and I you know convinced them to to give me that opportunity but personally like my actual belief on it is um and you know you hear Elon Musk talking about this a lot which is you know education isn't necessarily going to you know pave your way i think it's hard work and um so there are a few companies that still like it's a mandatory requirement like they will not even consider you if you're not you know, have certain credentials. And then there are certain organizations that won't even consider you if you're not from a particular school. I will say you can't teach attitude and you can't teach someone to be a good person. Hmm. So if you find like a fantastic person and they don't have the skills, if the skills are learnable, then give them a shot because I'd rather hire great people that can learn the job than someone that's amazingly good at the job and they're just not a good person to work with. They become painful and they, you know, they really drag the, the morale of the team and the company down. So, you know, uh, that that I would say is is my opinion on it. That's been my experience. And uh, and I've been involved in a lot of hiring decisions mm-hmm. and I've made serious recommendations on passing on people that have all the right stuff on paper, but they're just, you know, terrible in person. And then other people that look like they were missing things, but they were just such a fantastic person. I'm like, you definitely need to give that person a shot. They, they can learn this. Wow. 
Yeah, that's definitely inspiring in itself to kind of understand behind the scenes. Because I think a lot of times people they have that struggle with okay, they're they're asking me for these requirements, but I know I can do the job, and I know I have the mindset to move forward, and then that becomes a hurdle to where they won't even apply because they don't think they'll be able to get hired because of that. So I think you kind of opened that that Pandora's box up a little bit. So definitely yeah, appreciate I, that. I, I would say just a little bit more on that because I did do, uh, you know, I've, I've spoken to some youth groups where you know they're coming from homes that you know they don't have access to computers and they're not at the very best school, even like local schools, right? Like, you know, some high schools are better than other high schools and so on. Yeah. And so, you know, they're coming from an underprivileged area, underserved area. And, uh, and, uh, you know, some, some kids, they would go through like a technical training program or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then they got to visit LinkedIn. And so I would chat with that whole group. And so these, these kids, you know, they don't have university and, 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 uh, a few of them did, but most of them didn't. And, um, their, a lot of them, their belief was, yeah, like I shouldn't apply for that, or I can't apply for that, or uh, they're never going to give me a chance. And I would tell those kids, don't listen to anybody. Like if you want to do something, you got to figure out a way to do it. And if they put hurdles in your way, then just get over those hurdles. Sometimes those hurdles are a pain in the ass and you got to work hard to get past them. For example, like they might say like, Hey, like, okay, I want to work at, you know, let's say, uh, you know, LinkedIn. Okay. Well, maybe they tell you, you need to have two years of this kind of sales experience. Well, then go two years of that kind of sales. If you want to work there, Go get two years of experience doing that. Hmm. I mean, you got a whole lifetime to 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 go after your goals. You don't have to hit your goal tomorrow. So they don't get that job, you know, getting that kind of experience. And they tell you you need, you know, this kind of experience before you can do that. Then go get that experience. Just keep knocking down those, you know, those hurdles until eventually they just give up and go, you know what? I told you you needed two years of experience. And two years later, here you are with exactly what I asked you for. Yeah. Like you're a go-getter, you're going to do, you're going to get it done. And it's that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of commitment that, uh, that, that pushes people forward. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, I, th I think you, you have hell of tenacity, right? I mean, you have a lot of energy and it, it kind of shows, right? Just, just by in that last five minutes of this conversation. So if you could identify yourself with three to five words, what would your three to five words be? Uh, I mean, over time, that's probably changed. I'd say right now, um, outgoing, confident, engaging, and I try and be thoughtful <laughs> as best I can. It's, uh, you know, we all, we all struggle, right? Sometimes, but, uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, as we get older, I think our perspective changes and, and we realize, you know, there's a lot more people out there that, uh, have than just ourselves. And so, uh, that's that's certainly been you know a good awakening for for me over the last little while, especially over this last year. Great, great. So going to the next question, I mean, obviously you, you've been through LinkedIn, which is essentially like you know corporation level at this point, right? Sure. But but you have the entrepreneurial side to you as well. So in your current business model, is that business set up as an LLC, an S corp, a C corp? What how is it structured? So uh, and just to give you a caveat, I'm I'm Canadian, so. Uh, uh, we we don't have LLCs here, but we have mm. corporations, and okay. probably the same thing. Um, so um, the place that I'm consulting for, they're a corporation. They have their mm. you know company set up and they have employees. Um, and then uh, I have had side hustles. Mm. So I've owned my own camera rental company, which was a corporation. 
and I just launched an app last summer. And so, uh, and that's tied into my corporation. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole experience just trying to build an app because I, again, know yeah. what the technology is, but boy, can't I, you know, I can't do any of it. So I had to get the right people and, and get it built. And now, of course, I'm working on trying to, trying to monetize it. But mm-hmm. um, so, um, um, yeah, I'd say, so, you know, my hands are sort of in, in both sides. I've got some familiarity mm-hmm. of running a business. And then certainly I've got, you know, some familiarity of, of, of being a employee at a business. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's, let's talk about your app a little bit. I mean, like, what is your app and what does it do? Uh, so it's called Glimpse Social. Okay. And um, the first use case, uh, what I released it for was um, if you've ever used Waze to be able to like drive and get somewhere, yeah. uh, Waze tells you like what's the best way to go. Um, my app is designed, crowd crowdsourced information, but my app is designed to tell you uh, what it's like when you get there. So like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, is there a big line? Uh, is that stuff in stock? Um, is there room on the patio at that restaurant? So you can drop pins on anything around the world and ask questions, and then mm-hmm. people at the other end will get a notification and give you the answer. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was the first use case. Um, and then second use case was the uh, the election uh, in the U.S., uh, you know, the, the presidential election in the 10. Um, so what I did was I dropped a pin on every single polling location in the U.S., and then it allowed people to be able to uh, basically drop a pin on the polling location and say, hey, how long's the line? Because some polling locations, there's none, but others, there could have been 12 hours. So uh, I wanted to help people out so they knew what they were getting into when they were, uh, when they were voting. And then I'm still, uh, right now, I'm working on trying to help people if they want to get vaccinated. So trying to get all the locations to wear vaccines, once it becomes generally available, drop a pin on all the polling, uh, all the vaccine locations so that you can find out do they have it in stock? How long is the line? You know, because it could be a four-hour wait. And then if you've got five places to choose from and one's got a 30-hour wait and one's got a four-hour wait, I think I'll go to the one that's, you know, shorter line. So yeah, definitely. That, that's that's kind of the idea behind it. And then now I'm working into how to monetize it, which would be around sporting events. So, for example, if you want to go to a, a, a college football game, uh, maybe, you know, which entrance the line is fastest, um, interviews with the players and coaches. Uh, uh, how long is the line to get beer, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff and setting up the field, et cetera. Uh, all that would be available through the app. And there'd mm-hmm. be custom custom pins depending on. So like if, if you've got a player interview and they're interviewing the quarterback before the game and it's, you know, it's not televised, but it's just for the app, um, then they can interview that and you would get a VIP pin that would show up that would show you that it's a player interview, et cetera. So, uh, nice. so that and, and working on it for shows like music events, or even just like conferences and uh, trade shows. So I would think with that, I mean, push notification will probably be a serious add-on if it's not there currently right now. I mean, obviously yep. to, to know when the line is short and when to run to the line, is yep. that already built into the app currently? Yeah, so you can get um, you can get alerts. You can decide when and where you get alerts. You can follow different things. So I can, um, the, the next version is just about to be released. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with the next version, uh, you'll be able to say like, I'm following this team, I'm following that venue, I'm following this mm-hmm. event. And then uh, these are the kinds of notifications I want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in a perfect world, like, you know, in the future, if you see, um, you know, hypothetically, let's say we're both in, in New York City and we want to, uh, you know, go to a restaurant you know, every night, it's busy there. And so we want to go to a restaurant, you try and phone and you, you know, you don't know how busy it is. You, you go on the uh, scheduling uh, tool and it's telling you, you know, you, you know, you got to three hours to get a table. If you mm. could just drop, we could just drop a pin on three different restaurants 
And then they all fire back answers saying, you know, oh, yeah, like there's room over here. So the patrons are telling you, like, it's a good scene. Uh, there's tables uh, or no, it's jammed and like people are lined up out the door. Then we know, OK, we probably don't want to spend 30 minutes standing out in front of the restaurant. Let's go to the one that's not as busy. So and then that would also give the uh, other restaurants the opportunity to be able to advertise to you to win your business. So gotcha. it'd be like real time intent based advertising, which is which is kind of the goal of where it would head to. Yeah, that's pretty ingenious. So, it's from, from, let me just regurgitate that, like translation. So, you pretty much took the functionality of Waze speed trap to say, "Hey, there is a speed trap ahead," and you converted that into like first-person user basis. So, if they're going to store, they're going to a concert, going to the bank, going to pick up anything, now they have access to know well ahead of time how long it's going to take them before they even leave to go to that location. Exactly. If I'm going to Costco, is there a line to get in? And is that thing I want, is that flat screen TV that they had on sale, is there any left? Mm. I want to know that. I don't want to drive all the way down there, get there, go into this lineup, get in and find out it's not even there. It's like, okay, well, that, you know, that kind of sucked. Mm. So, um, so that's, the, that's, the, that's how, you know, that's how it's designed to work. Mm. Obviously, you know, next goal is to try and get as many people on it and, and get people helping each other. Because uh, yeah. that's really how it would work, right? Is that, you know, when you have the masses on it, and they're sharing information back and forth. It's everyone's lifting everybody up. So it's really about um, providing information, you know, what you need when you need it. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason why I went down that road is it's kind of like, I think you brought us full circle and let me just kind of pull that together for everyone is obviously you created an app that does what you described it to do, but yep. you're also working with, with another company that's more socially aware. So the, the combination between the two, it's a goldmine. I mean, it's obviously it gives you opportunity to kind of figure out like the marketing strategy and the branding of the social awareness of what people are looking for and how, and then you have an app to support to deliver on the results. So you're, you're, you're juggling both coins. Yeah, I'm trying to work it on both both ends. Yeah, absolutely. Nice, yeah, nice. I learned a lot. I learned a lot working at LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm doing my best to uh, to try and provide something that I think could be valuable to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, where also you can kind of you know turn it into a way to make money, and then I want to be able to donate some of the proceeds to uh, to some good not for profits. Nice, nice. So I mean, you're definitely, you know, to be frank, I mean, you're socially aware on all aspects of it, and it kind of goes back to it's like your 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 word choices to describe yourself, right? All of these things are shining through in this moment, and it's also shining through through your. You could have picked any app you wanted to develop, really and truly, but you picked an app that kind of fits your personality, which is definitely um, ingenious. I mean, it's something that I think that you love to do, and you will continue to love doing it moving forward as well. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it. I appreciate you saying so. Yeah, definitely. So let's just talk about like timeframes. Like you know, somebody may hear this podcast and they're like, okay, Jonathan seems to be someone that I, I want to mimic some, I want to get some insight from him. And it seems like he's overnight success. Like this, this app just popped up out of nowhere and he's working with these other companies. But the reality is, is like, how long have you been on this journey? Uh, I mean, from a, from a technology standpoint, I think, you know, uh, the techno technological awakening was probably my, me spending time at LinkedIn mm. um, because I saw it grow from 600 employees to 13,000 employees in 10 years. Damn. Yeah. I saw it go from uh, 80 million users to 750 million users in the same amount of time. And so when you see that kind of scale and you see what's involved, and obviously there's you know, a lot of very smart people there and a lot of, you know, you know, professional level engagements. And of course, the companies that I got to work with, I'm, I'm working, you know, with some amazing, you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 500 kind of companies, mm -hmm. and very senior level folks at these organizations. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, one is great experience, and I learned a ton. And I got to see, 
you know, new functionality and, and new technology being implemented every day at our own company and various other companies. Mm. Um, but I will say, you know, I think what also helped is that um, sometimes we put people on a pedestal. Sometimes we put like, oh, the CEO at this or the, you know, senior executive at that. And like, you know, then we're afraid to talk to them because they're, you know, they're this sort of glorified person. They're all people. They're all trying to, all trying to move forward depending on, you know, what they're trying to, you know, what their goals are and their objectives are. And, uh, and my experience through all this really helped me to understand that uh, not necessarily that everyone's like reachable and you can like call up anybody, but um, that they're, they're, they're all, you know, there's, there's nobody that is, you know, necessarily better than anybody else. They're all just in different stages of their journey. And so it's, uh, it's being able to connect with the right people and, and kind of move your story forward. So I don't know if that uh, sort of answers the point, but, uh, but that would be my take on it. Definitely. Definitely. So I'm just thinking about, okay, you have a cool app. The name of it is Glimpse, right? Yeah. So if you let's say this app had time travel associated to it, right? And you had an opportunity to go back in time and you could get a glimpse into the future of the forks in the road ahead of you, right? Sure. What's one thing that you would want to do differently if you can time travel backwards? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I have a great answer for it other than I should probably have had a better understanding of what it takes to actually build the app. Mm. Um, because there were a lot of a lot of hurdles with that one, uh, uh, the requirements to launch an app on a a Android versus uh, with Apple very different. Day, night and day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> like Apple's like you know a forty story uh, climb upstairs, and then Android's everything's on the first floor. So you know it, way harder to do it. Um, and then um, uh, I I kind of went in with uh, uh, sort of heart and passion, mm -hmm. and um, I, so I would say like the direction of where things head. And I, I listened to some, I listened to some good podcasts. One of them that I listened to is how I built this. Oh, yeah. And, um, and you will hear very regularly when you hear those interviews, like, Oh, like the business started this way and then it evolved into this and then it changed into that. And then now it's this. And I am definitely experiencing that where like, I'm like, this is what I want the app to do, but it, how do I get it to do? Like, how do I get everybody using it? Well, mm. I mean, I don't have billions of dollars to be able to just run ads indefinitely and tell everybody about it so they all download it and it does what it does. So how do I get people to use it? Well, maybe, you know, I use it through sporting events and shows or, you know, uh, uh, concerts or maybe I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's finding different ways to provide value so that you can still reach your end goal mm -hmm. and being creative and trying to come up with that is good. And um, um, so I would say probably... Uh, what I would have done is build a stronger network of smart people around me uh, to provide advice. Because as I meet people that are like awesome and provide great advice, I'm like, oh, wow, like, can we keep that conversation going? Your feedback. So, you know, awesome. Like, I'd really appreciate it if, you know, next time I come up with something about it, you know, if you would give me your opinion and finding those uh, different experts that can help you through your journey, because you, you know, there's just no way you know everything. And you've, you've got to learn so much and, and you've got to accept the fact that you, you've, you've got a, a long way to go and you need a lot of help. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if tomorrow I said I want to be, uh, a, a, you know, an Olympic sprinter, first of all, you'd laugh and you'd be like, good luck. But, um, but I'd need a ton of coaching. You know, uh, first, I have to have some talent, which I don't in that area. But uh, I'd need a ton of coaching and like I'd be relying on a lot of people. And yet for some reason in business, so many people think like, oh, I just like, I got to do it on my own and I can't ask any questions and, and whatnot. And the answer is if anything in life, we need coaches, we need support and we need a good network. So that's my rambled on answer.
Yeah, yeah, I think I think you definitely uh, hit it hit it on the nose. And I mean, to your point about like the Apple versus Android, it, it is a complete. Because I'm working on an app right now as well. I'm working on two separate apps. One app I'm working on is essentially for the entire Boss and Cage network of different tentacles to yeah. have one portal to say, just download the app and you have access to everything. Right. It just makes it ten times easier. Yeah. And just in that journey, I mean, obviously, like you know, Apple costs more just to buy in. You have to go through all the damn requirements and specifications versus Android. You kind of just sign up for the account where you upload the app and it's live in like yeah, seven, two yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Good luck. Yeah, pretty much. So you de- definitely, I, I definitely appreciate that answer. So, I mean, with your tenacity and your entrepreneurial spirit that, that you currently have, did that come from like a family member? Any ancestors in your family have that entre- entrepreneurial hustle? I'm not sure. Um my family doesn't have a lot of entrepreneurs in it. Mm. And, um, but I, I will say when I was a kid, I, I always had a little bit of hustle. Mm. Uh, so I was, you know, uh, I was always looking to try to figure out a way to make a bit of money. And uh, my first job, like I was delivering flyers when I was 11 years old. Nice. Uh, Cause I could make, I think it was like one or two cents per flyer that I delivered. And so I was like, Oh wow, that's great. Cause I want to be able to buy stuff. And so my motivation was to, you know, to get stuff. But, uh, but I, you know, I, I was like, well, how, I, I want, you know, that whatever and, you know, that pair of shoes or whatever. And so how do I get the money? Well, my parents aren't going to give it to me. So I had to figure out a way. So most of my hustle, to be honest, just came from me wanting material things when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then now most of my hustle uh, comes from uh, just being wanting to be passionate about something that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like finding something I'm passionate about and then really wanting to do it. And then if I, you know, in that it's, it's evolved a lot because, you know, as you get older, you also care a lot more about, you know, helping others and, and providing some value. And so uh, I think that's, that's a great way to do it. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's safe to assume that you're a highly passionate individual. And I think once you sink your teeth to something, you're like, you're laser focused on the end results of getting that thing mission accomplished. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you're mostly right. Uh, you know, you're certainly right on probably what you're hearing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do have a, a lazy side, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, uh, that can wait till tomorrow. I, I, you know, I have some natural built in procrastination. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so but I've, I've been doing uh, everything I can to try and uh, crush and, and get rid of that and try and gotcha. squeeze it out of me. Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, kind of building like really good habits uh, mm-hmm. around how you live. Uh, and so I, I work on that every single day, trying to just make sure that I'm using my time the best way I can. So that kind of leads me into my next question. It's like, how do you currently juggle your work life with your family life? Well, I have the good fortune of sitting at home. So that, that works. Um, and then, um, you know, my kids are about, but they're, they're not little, so they're mm-hmm. kind of independent. And so evenings we socialize and spend time together and, and try and spend time with some friends when and where we're allowed, depending on, you know, the nature of the world as it stands. Um, but um, so um, because I've got irons in a few fires, um, what I do is I just have to have like a, a pretty organized view of like what's the next conversation mm. and make sure my mind's ready, you know, that I'm prepared to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, so I think that's helpful. Uh, planning things out is good. And, um, and then making sure that if I've got gaps, um, that I use them. So like, I've got a dog waiting for me to, to walk her on my next, you know, next gap in the day. And it gets me outside, which is great. Um, and then I, I do all of my working out before I do anything. So I get up at 6am or 630 every day. 
and I do all of my uh, all of my working out um, right away. So that way I, I get that done. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty like routine based. Um, so, uh, work is just kind of like fits, fits in. And then if I have a, a one hour gap, uh, during the day, then, and I need to get groceries, then I use that. I go get the groceries and then I come back mm. home. Um, so to be honest, I think when evenings hit, I actually have, I don't have a ton of stuff to do other than to try and be social with family and friends. Nice. So I think you, you kind of stepped into to like my next question, which was like, you know, like since you're so habit oriented, like what is your morning rituals, your morning routines look like? Uh, right now, over the last few months, uh, it's been wake up at six or six 30. Mm-hmm. I do a yoga class. Uh, I lift some weights. Uh, then I do a spin class. Uh, I'm fortunate enough. I got a Peloton bike a couple of years ago. And so it's nice. just in my bedroom, literally my workout gym is at the end of my bed. I have a yoga mat on the floor. I have kettlebells and free weights. And I have my uh, Peloton bike and I just do all that stuff. And uh, I'm not a guy that like likes to go to the gym. I like to just work out by myself. And I, I like even the commute to the gym and back. I'm like, oh, that seems like a total waste of time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah, it's dead. But uh, so I, I just as uh, soon as I wake up, I find yoga is like a great thing mm-hmm. uh, to do because it starts getting me moving around, starts stretching me out, starts getting me limber. And then I get all the workouts done. I shower. I take the dog for a 45 minute walk. Mm-hmm. Then I get home and then I start making breakfast. So nice. which right, which right now is oatmeal and uh, some berries mashed into it. Cause nice. my doctor told me I had high cholesterol. So I'm eating more fiber. And you're, and you're walking more often as well too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get, uh, I get uh, sort of two or three 45 minute dog walks in a day. Nice. Uh, it was a little bit worse uh, cause I'm in Toronto through the winter. It kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, cold and windy. And uh, so I had to get a really good uh, coat for my dog because she gets uh, a cold in the in the winter and shakes. So I got her a nice parka, which uh, which she seems to appreciate. <laughs> Interesting. So coming in, into like the book segments, right? And I, I, yep. got a, I got a live book club that, you know, every time I have opportunity to talk to someone like you, I always ask them, you know, like what books inspired you on your journey and what books are you currently reading right now that you want to recommend? Um, so I listen to books rather than read them. Uh, and I think that's just cause I like to listen to podcasts and, mm. and, and use my time. So like, while I'm walking the dog, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to a book. Um, so recently I finished a book called lifespan. Uh, it's by David Sinclair. Uh, I'm very like, try to be as health conscious as possible. I want to eat healthy. I want to you know put good stuff into my body mm. and, uh, and I want to be as active as possible. And so um, this book's really cool because it uh, it talks about uh, the technology of like how it's evolving around our health and uh, and um, how technology will help us reverse aging. So it won't be like going to the place to get plastic surgery. It'll be more like going to the place to get your uh, you know uh, certain kind of shot that or take a pill and it'll kind of help to roll back the clock. Mm-hmm. So uh, understanding how that all works is is very very cool. And then um, I'm actually a super huge fan of Malcolm Gladwell. Um, his commentary, social commentary is just amazing. And so uh, the most uh, recent one uh, was Talking to Strangers. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that book, but uh, it's pretty fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. And then the uh, audio piece was was really kind of excellent. And then um, food and health wise, there's one on, uh, it's called Breathe, which is all about um, um, breathing through your nose rather than through your mouth. There's like a pile of health benefits there. 
Uh, and uh, I, I could keep going on like, you know, sort of the food and health side. I've got a whole bunch of them that, uh, that I listen to. Yeah, it's always funny to me when I ask that question. It's always like I open up Pandora's box, and I, I'm like at the point now I could probably do a whole podcast just on books at this point. For sure. I mean, they 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 fill up a lot of people's lives, and and they give a lot of ingenuity to how to achieve your next goals and your next aspirations. So, like, what do you see yourself twenty years from now? Um, I I would like to see myself with a boutique hotel on a beach somewhere. Nice. Uh, own the hotel, mm -hmm. live in it, have it make some money. Uh, but have access to the nice restaurant, have some drinks in it, constantly have friends coming in and out nice. and uh, and meeting people on their journey and lives when they're on vacation. That would be a pretty ideal situation for me. Sounds like a Casablanca kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So coming into like, like software, right? I mean, obviously you're building apps, you're working for software companies, you, you worked for LinkedIn. What tools or software applications do you currently use right now that you do not see you doing what you do without? Well, from a marketing and communication standpoint, the one that I consult for right now is 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 pretty key. Um, so that's um, uh, basically figuring out how to get your message out at scale mm -hmm. and um, without paying, because I don't want to have mm -hmm. to like pay megabucks in order to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, this is uh, designed for business owners mm -hmm. um, that have employees, mm -hmm. and so um, if I give you the example of LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, you've got a company page and then your employees, you know, I like say like I work there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you'll have people that follow the company page, which means if you do an update company page update, and it works the same for Facebook and, and others, but, uh, mm -hmm. you do a company page update, it'll reach all the followers. Mm -hmm. Well, the reach of your employees is way, way, way bigger than whatever your, uh, your company page followers are. So to give you a quick example. Um, the average member on LinkedIn has 800 connections. And so uh, if I have 50 employees, a company of that size might have 1,000 followers. Yeah. So if I do a company page update, 1,000 people will see that. Yeah. If my 50 employees share that out, it'll reach 40,000 people. Yeah. So the reach of my employees is amazing. And then who are my employees connected to? Well, they're connected to my customers yeah. and they're connected to my future customers. So if I can get my employees to commonly, like regularly share out stories that help bring value to the company and also help them, you know, bring up their you know, professional profile, elevate them, then that's what, you know, that's what uh, is a good thing to do. And so versus spending a, a whole bunch of money, uh, paid campaigns are exceptionally targeted and they're very, very valuable, mm -hmm. but usually people don't have deep pockets to be able to keep running those kinds of targeted campaigns. And so uh, utilizing a channel uh, like employees is a great evergreen strategy and it's a great equalizer because then a company of 50 people can have the same power and reach as a company that has 2000 people. Hmm. So let, let, me, let me bite into that a little bit. Cause I mean, obviously marketing is one of the things that makes my heart beat. Right. So sure. in that, in, in that depiction that you just clearly outlined something like that, let's say you have a company of 50 people. And let's say I do a monthly sweepstakes for my employees and I'm tracking like their shares, how many times they share, how many times they communicate with additional target audiences based upon what we do at the company. Then that, that's a, like you said, it's an evergreen situation that I could say I put a hundred bucks into gift cards or hardware or whatever I think my employees would tangibly want 
yep. would be 10 times or 100 times cheaper than spending 100,000 or 10,000 in ad spend. And that's pretty much w- w- what you just outlined. Is that correct? 100%. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's so for, to give you a quick example, mm-hmm. um, uh, a small paid campaign on LinkedIn would be 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And that could last a few weeks. Mm-hmm. If I have 50 employees for under five grand, I can communicate through my employees for an entire year. You're definitely right. And I have, you know, with a pay campaign, I run one ad where I'm like, please click on this and buy my stuff. Uh If I can communicate through my employees for an entire year, Uh I could tell that story in so like such a nice way. A little bit about the company, a little bit about thought leadership, a little bit of how we participate in the industry. Mm-hmm. Here's our perspective on this. And instead of just like pitch, 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 mm-hmm. now I'm like building an awareness of us. I'm building an awareness of our employees. I'm raising everyone's profile. Now we're thought leaders in the industry. All of a sudden, the conversation's different. We're no longer a company that's just pitching. Now we're a company that's adding value. And then periodically, we talk about ourselves and talk about our products and services, mm-hmm. but we're not in any kind of rush because with a pay campaign, You've got to stuff it in people's faces. Whereas with an evergreen channel like that, I can tell you this story over the course of months because decisions don't get made, usually don't get made in the moment. It's mm-hmm. not like I see an ad and go, oh, I'm going to go buy a Bentley. I just saw that commercial and made me want one. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm in a position to buy something or even, you know, as a company, if we're going to buy some software, uh, we're going to take a while and a bunch of people are going to be involved. So if, if you build that awareness with me mm. over the course of eight months and all of a sudden now we're in the market for that product, immediately you're top of mind. You're like, well, we definitely need to talk to those guys. They're smart, they're adding value and they're in that space. We need to get their opinion on what we should be doing and I wonder what their product is like. Hmm. So that's, that's how you change the conversation through the employee's uh, channel. Yeah. And so tools like you know, who I consult for and what LinkedIn had before, which was Elevate, which was their social sharing channel, um, and a product that was designed for that. It was a fantastic uh, platform. They've since sunset that platform. Um, and so now I sort of invest my time with, uh, with social HP. Um, but the, the net of it is, um, you know, you can really drive a lot of value. Hmm. The hard part is trying to convince people to do it regularly. Yeah, and that's why I threw in the sweepstakes thing. And I want everybody to listen to this last 10 minutes. I want you to kind of rewind it back and, and listen to it again because the, the nuggets are definitely falling from the sky right now, right? So with that, right, so pretty much I want people to really understand is that if you have a tribe, you could weaponize your tribe with the right spears to go out and hunt for your right clientele by just giving your tribe initiatives on a routine basis, which is significantly going to be cheaper than running ad campaigns at a shorter period of time for a higher cost. And that's pretty much what he's saying, which is, is golden when you really think about it. It's so simple, but the reality is that not everyone's doing that. Yeah. Like, not everyone's doing it at all. Well, uh, almost nobody's doing it. Um, you know, some big companies are doing it, but, you know, they're on the bandwagon early and they're, you know, adopting technology at a pretty fast rate. But smaller companies, definitely not. Mid-sized companies, there's a few, but not a ton. And then I will say, I'll add to this, which is um, software, especially like, you know, either consumer-based software or software that you would give to employees, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to get them to do it. So for, you know, unless it's like, they're going to get fired unless they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, it's, if it's an opt-in kind of thing, most people will say, yeah, but then they, they forget real quickly and they opt out. And so uh, that's, so software as a service, that's the number one problem is usage. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
with with most tools that like curate and like bring in all of this amazing content for you to be able to share to try and convince your employees to regularly go in you can you know contests and you can starbucks cards or you know whatever like a gift card you know that kind of thing that will definitely make a difference but it's not gonna you know if people some people aren't motivated by that mm-hmm. and if they're not motivated by that and then you they're not motivated by the greater good then they're not going to do it and so my experience when i was at linkedin is that about 20 percent of your employees will actually regularly go in and share and 80 percent won't and so um the, with the company that i'm supporting now which is social hp they built some technology, which is basically where your employees are like, look, you guys, are the marketing experts, I individually am not going to be a social media marketing manager and I don't want to become one. So why don't you guys just do it for me? And that's what we've built. We built a do it for me functionality, which is basically like, hey, why don't you share for me four times a month, mm-hmm. share good stuff that makes me look great, makes me look smart mm-hmm. and helpful for the company, giddy up. And then I just uh, give you permission to do that for me. And then now everyone can share and they don't ever have to log in. They don't even have to touch it. And then they're sharing it all this smart stuff so that their networks are like, oh, wow, like, hey, Sarah, that was like amazing that you shared that. And they're like, cool. I didn't literally have to do anything. Hmm. So, so who, who's going to eat the cost of it? I mean, essentially, you're talking about a software that's going to have API integrations to, into individual social media platforms. Yep. But- all of that information is going to be regurgitated to reflect positive on the mothership company that these employees work under. Correct. So who's paying the cost for that? So the mothership company buys the, the software access. Mm-hmm. The employees don't pay anything. Sure. But that software is cheap. That's the thing. Like one paid campaign is 10 grand. That software for 50 employees is under 5,000. So 5,000 monthly or annually? No, no, or? no. For the year. Oh, shit. It's like, it's cheap. It's, you're giving it away. Because, like, and, and you, it, you share to LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can share to all the platforms. The employees decide which, you know, tools they want to connect, mm-hmm. which of their networks they want to connect. And then you can just take care of it for them. So they don't, they literally just go, yeah, yeah, I'll connect my stuff. That sounds great. Thanks for making me look smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to promote the company. I'm proud of the place where I work. Oh, we're going to talk about, like, how we're doing that charity run or how we're doing this good community work, mm-hmm. too. Amazing. I want to talk about that. And the employees don't know where to find those stories. They don't, you know, and if you could profile an employee and like say, hey, like, you know, uh, Cassandra's, you know, been working here for three years and we're just so proud of her. And here's the great work that she's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of the employees don't know where that's, that story is posted or located. It's on mm-hmm. their corporate blog. They're never looking at the corporate blog. You know, is it on the internet or is it on our website? Where is it? This way, one administrator just pops it in, delivers it out. And then Cassandra gets, you know, a visibility of 40,000 people super, super fast. Hmm. So, like, so who's like developing and creating the the general content? Where's that content being sourced from? So, uh, the tools like this pull in from so third parties. So you can pull in from like any third party publishers, whether it's like Harper Business Review uh, or or industry stuff. Like if you're in you know the legal field, then it pulls in all the law journals, you know anything like that. If you guys have a corporate blog, it'll pull in from the corporate blog. It'll pull in from your corporate Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn accounts. It'll pull in uh, from uh, your marketing tools. It'll pull in from any source you want. You can even do Google keyword searches. Hmm. So if you like every time we're mentioned in the news or anytime this topic's mentioned in the news, you know, then it'll pull in all those stories. And then the administrator just basically selects which ones and when they get shared out. Hmm. So 
humor me here for a second. Like I'm listening to it and we're diving in this conversation and I'm enjoying this conversation, right? So yeah. that particular software, it's, it's sexy as hell when it comes down to corporations, but yeah. I see an alternative use for it as far as like, if I'm a, a corporate individual and I want to sell a particular product, everyone's yeah. familiar with influencer marketing. Yeah. Could I not then say I have 15 influencers that are my employee? Totally. Yeah, of course. You should do a system. Yeah, you can invite anybody on you want. Hmm. Not only yeah. that, Let's say you have customers. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm like, let's say I'm in a retail business mm -hmm. and, but my customers are passionate about me. So I'm, maybe I have an email list of 2000 people that have all bought from me and they're all like, Hey, uh, keep me posted when stuff comes mm -hmm. up. Normally what I would have to do is write out an email and whatever. I could literally just take a story, click a button. It creates an email and it'll send it out to all of them. One, it'll allow them all to read it. Two, it'll allow them all to share it. Hmm. Nice. So they can share as a guest. So I can invite in my own employees, I can invite in my own influencers, mm -hmm. and I could share out content to the masses and have them amplify it for me. Yeah, yeah. Literally within 10 seconds, it would take me to do that. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's sexy and it gives it, it's, 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 it's kind of manipulating the organic side of things to, um, to scale. Like you said, it's all about scale. So you're scaling right. organic. So like, let's go into like final words of wisdom. Let's say, um, 20 something year old and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm hearing all this information. And I'm like, this, this is great. I love this. Like what words of insight would you give to me to continue on this path? Well, I mean, you know, definitely the, the more, you know, the better you are off. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're headed in a certain direction, figure out in this particular case, if it's, you know, social marketing, figure out what kind of platforms are going to be the most valuable to you. Mm -hmm. And then learn about what technologies that you can use uh, that will help to amplify your messaging. And then from that standpoint, I'd say, um, you know, there's, there's so much out there right now that you can do for such a small amount of input, like small amount of dollars in, and you can generate a ton of value out. Mm -hmm. So uh, rather than, you know, hiring like a company to run your social channels, I, I had a friend do that recently and, you know, they were paying 500 bucks a month for whatever it was, like six posts, mm -hmm. like good for them for being able to charge that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it shouldn't cost that kind of money to, to, you know, to do that. And if you don't have the expertise, I think you just need to invest a bit of time. Doesn't mean you have to be an expert, but it, you just need to invest enough time uh, to figure out what you should be doing. And then if you don't want to have to handle it, then that's when you have to build out your, your, uh, your advisor network. You know, I've got an advisor that's an expert on marketing. I've got an advisor that's an expert. And these are like, my advisors aren't like trying to sell me something. My advisors are like legitimate experts that they'd have no incentive to tell me what they're telling me. Because if they have a, like a reason behind it, like they're giving you this information and then you go, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then they're like, okay, cool. So you should buy my service. That's not really an advisor. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's a salesperson that will give you good advice, but they're definitely trying to sell something. So I, I would say, you know, build a really good network of people. If you're a young entrepreneur and you want to grow your business, you know, reach out to people that can help you in every area that uh, you touch and every area, new area that you find, uh, you got to get those right people on board. Definitely, definitely insightful. So how can people get in contact with you? I mean, like, what's your online handle? I, I would think by default you have a LinkedIn profile. So yeah. like, how can how people get in contact with you? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me. So uh, it's just my name, Jonathan Baldock. So uh, that's the URL as well. So linkedin.com forward slash my name, Jonathan Baldock, and you find me. Great. Happy to answer any questions. So going into the bonus round, right? Um, what is your most significant achievement to date? Outside of your kids, outside of your family, just 
as far as business goes? That's a good question. Um, thing I, to be honest, the thing I'm most proud of is being able to launch that app. Because hmm. I, I was like, when I went into it, I knew zero about you know, how I would go about getting that done. Hmm. And um, I, I owe it all to the people that, uh, that helped me get there. But, you know, I, I pushed hard and, and invested the time and, and got that done. I know it's recent, but, but I, I, I'm very uh, excited to, to have done that. Gotcha. Well, I definitely commend you. I mean, again, I'm in that space right now as well. And I've been with other people that's built apps. And I think a lot of people from the outside in looking in, they think it's kind of like building a website and it's, it's as simple as that. And in reality, there's a little bit more that goes in behind the scenes to actually start an app. You got to stay away from the feature creep ups and then yeah. executing the app. And then once you get the app done, that's not the end of the journey. You have to have people use the app to give oh, yeah. you insight, to let you know what's wrong with the app so you can fix it and make it better than what it was when you originally came up with it. So Totally. You could have the best app in the world. That doesn't mean anyone's going to use it. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> so if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Yeah, okay. Um, all right. I, th I think I would choose Robin Williams. Mm. I think that guy was just such a comedic genius. Um, I had the good fortune of um, going on set the day after Robin Williams was there. I never met him, mm. uh, but I went on this. He was uh, uh, in those uh, Night in the Museum movies. Mm -hmm. And I was on set the day after he was there. And um, the director showed me his dailies which is basically like his takes from the previous day. And um, they uh, never gave him a script. And every single take was a completely different scene with completely different dialogue from him, all made up on the spot. And every single one was like the best take I'd ever seen in my life. Like I could not believe. The director said, he goes, I could literally pick any one of these 10 takes and it would be the best take I've ever seen. And they were all unbelievable. And so that's, I would say like Robin Williams was just such a, uh, such a charismatic, uh, like I loved all of his movies. He had such range and uh, like, I love movies. I love, you know, I love yeah, yeah. TV. I love all that stuff. And you know, his storytelling really had an impact on me. Uh, uh, I thought he was just so genuine and, um, and then hearing how just wonderful he was, because when I was there, the, you know, the next day they were like, oh my gosh, he was like the nicest guy and just so thoughtful and, and approachable. Meanwhile, he was like a huge star and, you know, had you know, all the money and, and all that kind of stuff and just was like the nicest guy. And I thought, you know, what, what, a, what, a, what a great person. I, I would have loved to spend some time with him. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, to your point, I mean, as funny as he was, he was also as dynamic and great as a drama actor as well. Like, yeah, I remember totally. like one hour photo was like one of those movies that was kind of like, it creeped me out just enough to be like, holy shit, he wasn't funny, but he was just as organically dynamic in that role as he was in Mork and Mindy. So I, I definitely, you get two thumbs up for that answer. All right, all right, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, so going at the closing, man, I mean, I, you know, obviously we had a lot of different ups and downs in this conversation that we jumped around a lot of different ports, right? So yep. any questions that may have came up on this journey that you may want to ask me, this is the time to go ahead and ask. Well, I, you know what? Uh, you mentioned the apps. So um, one, you said you're building for the, the, the Boss Uncaged mm -hmm. uh, suite of services. Yep. Um, but it sounded like you, you were, there was more than one. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, one essentially to me is it's using myself as a case study, right? So yep. in the space of entrepreneurs, in the space of podcasts, and also in the space of just authoring books, because I'm an author as well, right. I wanted to kind of try out this platform to see, is it possible for me to make it easy enough to pull all these octopus tentacles into one system to deliver to a target audience? Yep. And then taking that and then thinking about the database behind it, I was like, okay, what's the easiest database that I could think of? An Excel spreadsheet. So mm -hmm. how can I create this portal on the front end for Boston Cage and yep. on the back end, turn it into a resource for other podcasters and other authors to simply have a, an avenue to plug in information through not necessarily iframes, but through Excel data, data sheets and okay. pull it all together to create a finished product. That way they can update it on the fly and deliver it to their, their target audience. Cool, cool. That sounds great. How close to uh, to finished are you? So with the first one, I'm at about. I could finish it literally probably next week, but you know how it is when you kind of tweaking and this one feature didn't work exactly where I wanted it to work, and I'm trying to think about usability. So that's yep. where I'm at with that one. And the other one is essentially in um, still in schematics. It's still again this one app needs to be done in order to get data back to create the other app. I don't want to create them independently right, without right. having some data from one to the other. So it's a two-part thing. So the first one, I should be able to release it in the next 60 days. Wow, that's awesome. Well, good for you. I, I, I will tell you, I, uh, I thought my friends were so sick and tired of me telling me, uh, like me telling them uh, when my app was going to launch. Because mm -hmm. every two weeks I would say, oh, I think I'm about two weeks, weeks away. Mm -hmm. And I, I did that for six months. Mm -hmm. and, and eventually, like towards the end, I go, okay, I can't say two weeks anymore. Cause you're all like throwing me on, on the fire. So yep. uh, I eventually had a switch and I'm like, you know what? I think it's like a few weeks, but it could be longer. I really don't know. Mm. And it just took so much longer than I thought. So you're, 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 you're very, very close, which is very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy for you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I mean, it's one of those things. Cause like this year I had promised I was going to deliver my season one as a book and it was going to be kind of like, like this episode would have been in the book and we've been mm -hmm. talking about like software and like the great takeaways, just kind of like what you said earlier about um, Guy Raz's podcast. And he created a book to complement that podcast yeah, yeah. similar in that fashion. And then I hit a crossroad to where I had some other things came up and then the app just became more of a necessity. It was just like, you get on the phone with somebody and you have a conversation like, oh, I didn't know you had a store. Yeah, I had a store for like 12 months. Oh, I didn't know that you had a book club. Well, the book club just launched. And I did all the marketing for it and you're in my <laughs> circle. How the hell did you not see it? So I was like, okay, I need to have one thing that I could just market that one thing and everything else yeah. would just come through that one portal. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yep, yep, yep. So you know, I definitely appreciate your time. I mean, I think you definitely, uh, like I said earlier, I mean, you made it rain a lot of golden nuggets and a lot of insight, a lot of information, a lot of passion. And I think our, our audience will definitely, if they haven't, I would say this is an episode that you have to listen to more than once to kind of, you know, pull it apart and get the pieces that you need and take action items on what you've heard to get the results that you're looking forward to. So again, I mean, Jonathan, I thank you very much. That's it. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. I say Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncage. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 two three three boss 
That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.